You got the wrong house, mister. You're saying you're not Laura Palmer? Laura who? Chopping wood inside? Was that a little bit of a different intro? A little bit of a different inflection? Uh, I'm just getting tired of it. Can we just not do the intros anymore? I was thinking maybe you should do some hosting. Like, can you? I'm just getting tired of it. I'm not into it. You actually uh, want me to host? Do you yeah. Know how I thought maybe you want to host next episode. What do you think? That's a terrible idea. Yeah. I thought it'd be a great idea. You did a great job on your own that one time. I'd like to see you do it. I, I think you uh, you gave me a backhanded drink. compliment. Um, I think you kind of said how... Well, I'll, I'll still bring the comedy, but you can, you know, come with uh, the analysis from the host perspective, you know. I think that's possible. Just think about it. I'll okay, think about okay. it. Okay, well, I'll do, I'll do the hosting. Uh, we're here to um, kind of talk about the whole series in general, do another deep dive because we don't think we've given it enough attention. Uh, so we're going to kind of stagger these out in between our analysis of, uh, you know, all the original episodes. Um, so where do you want to start today, Tom? What do you think? It's been a several what? weeks now. It's been how many weeks has it been? It's been, I think it's it'll doing be in our heads. three weeks yeah. on Sunday, right? Yeah, so how's your brain formulating this shit? Well, I just can't stop thinking about it. And that was another reason why we want to actually take a brief break from our uh, series Rewind. We did um, a in-depth uh, commentary on parts one and two last week. And um, Murphy and I were talking on the phone and we just keep coming back to the finale. And um, new theories are emerging and just speculation. So... We want to go ahead and just jump in with some of our newer thoughts, and we'll return, like Murphy said, to the proper series rewind. You should be the host because what you're doing is doing the hosting. Dude, I just told him all this. So just... <laughs> <laughs> you're hosting again. You're giving the same. Okay, so I asked you, what, where do you want to start? So start. Well, I, I just didn't gonna, think. You, unless you want to be the host, you can be the host. I just didn't think you did a good enough job, so I, I just wanted know. to kind of reiterate. Let's see. I think you're doing really good. You're going to be great in that role. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's jump in with some thoughts that we have. Wait, what about the first one that you called me today and you seem to have had a revelation looking finally, I think you gave some time to that waggish article about the uh, trap universe and what were your revelations that I think kind of tied into maybe not to be a little hubristic, maybe some of my past, my past theories. Well, in relation to that pocket universe, pocket cage, waggish website, I, I mean, I read it. I know you've talked about it and you like a lot of their Theories, but yeah, it's not like the way it ended. I didn't really buy into the end, but I like the concept of the trap universe. I like that. A lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that at all. But um, I do agree with a lot of what you've been saying about <laughs> Cooper and his journey. Um, basically, like new levels. Basically, you know, confronting Mr. Well, not really confronting. But like, in, well, I'm not going to say Inception because I don't want to give uh, that. You mean my dual theory, the theory that there's like the doppel uh, timeline, and there's also the little girl down the lane timeline for him. He's been repeating. These yeah, that, there there might formations. be some. Yeah, there might be some meat on the bone there. But uh, so yeah, I've been thinking a lot about. But I've been trying to just take it from a different viewpoint, like rewatching mostly part 18, 17 for me is it's not tidy, but I think it is has like a real proper ending. But 18 is where the massive curveball came in and watching part one and two again, which we did last week when we uh, did our podcasts on it. I think there are a lot of clues in the first two episodes, especially part two related to part 18, because we actually see pretty much the same scenes mirrored uh, with Cooper finally emerging. So I tried to connect the dots with those two. And what I came up with a I would say a new theory and who the hell knows I'm sure this is out there somewhere but for me the big clue was in part three when Cooper was trying to get out of the lodge and Mr. C was driving 
and Paul had this accident and we saw Dougie for the first time and then right before Mr. C spewed his Garmin Bozia, he actually saw Dougie after he got sucked out of the uh, the house in Rancho Rosa sitting in the chair with the red drapes right there in the middle of the highway, wherever the hell that was. And then, then he disappeared and uh, uh, Mr. C spewed up on that Garmin Bozia. But what I was thinking when Cooper and Diane are traveling in part 18, even though I don't think it's the same location, it's very similar, but when they're crossing over, what I'm thinking is happening is is that obviously we're going into some other dimension of some sort. It's not a vortex or a portal like the zone or the one near Jack Rabbit's palace. I think it's kind of similar to what Mr. C saw with Dougie that it could very well be an extension of the Black Lodge. And what I'm speculating is that in part two, when Cooper was trying to get out and ultimately did through the electrical portal number three in the purple room, I think that's all an extension of the Black Lodge. We've never saw anything um, other than the red drapes and the familiar chevron, chevron pattern. But if you remember when Laura whispered in his ear in part two and then she got sucked out, you saw the curtains blowing and then kind of disappear. And then we saw this infinite black void with the white horse, um, which makes me think that the Black Lodge itself is infinite. And then when Cooper spotted the Eda Judy's coffee shop, there was like a white horse on the uh, scene on the outside of it. And there was also a white horse in Carrie Page's house. So um, I think that that's what we're seeing is an extension of the Black Lodge. And yeah, that reality. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I, you're coming coming around. <laughs> was I just not listening to you for all these? Yeah, I think weeks? you've not been listening at all. I think it's exactly what I've been saying. <laughs> this is all like a Black Lodge creation that Cooper's been going through, and maybe manifesting himself as like the dreamer within this context. But it's never all these. It's like a multiverse, a Cooper multiverse inside the lodge, and that's what we've been watching. And I think there's definitely parts of Twin Peaks that we just watched that really happened. The interesting part is trying to figure out what happened and what was a part of this like black large. I think like all of Vegas, like could have. I think it all was like a part. It wasn't real. Like Gordon never even showed up in Vegas. Like it feels like that was like a pocket universe, black lodge creation of Cooper. Like it all that wasn't real. Um, you know. Yeah, I agree because for me, I mean, we don't know who sets the rules, but we know that there is a rule at least per the evolution of the arm. Cooper could not leave that. Black Lodge, that waiting room, red room, whatever you want to call it, until Mr. C was brought back in. So we saw, obviously, um, Cooper leave, not through the Black Lodge, actually through the floor and ultimately to the glass box and into the purple room. But I think that is all an extension of the Black Lodge and a reality that Cooper never properly left the Black Lodge. He wasn't dreaming that that reality in Vegas and ultimately when he came to Twin Peaks was um, the reality through the Black Lodge. And when he finally, I don't say confronted Mr. C, he didn't, but he did put the ring on him. Mr. C was returned. That's when the lights went out and that reality ended. And then there was that very dreamlike image of Cooper, Diane and Cole in the uh, Great Northern Furnace Room where the next journey would begin, obviously related to Cooper finding Laura in 1989. Yeah, so I think we just we solved it. <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> no. 
thanks for listening. Yeah. All right. Good night. Yes. Hours. Right. Yeah. No. 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 Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you came around to that. I think that's something that a lot of people have been thinking. I think that that trap uh, concept is like uh, started people. I mean, people haven't maybe necessarily drilled into that concept, but the the idea that people buy into there being a trap universe that's been created by the giant and and Cooper. Um, using Laura's debate to bring in Judy, that implies that there is the, an ability to manifest, you know, multi universes, and I would say an infinite amount of universes. I remember, like, even it was a long time ago, but I was like, "Do you take those curtains off?" And it's just an infinite astral plane of its own reality. It could be anything. Like, it could be it, there can be infinite amounts of uh, little girl down the lane tales and doppel tales for Cooper to have been lost in. Um, it's I don't think like, it's thinking a... about like episode seventeen though. That's when like it seems like. Like Gordon, which is real, I think, and the the Twin Peaks world is real. Like that's when it interacted in the office with these like dream creations, like Candy, Mandy, and Sandy, and like the Mitchum brothers, like and Cooper. And that's when it just started going crazy once everybody can <laughs> Bob. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's my that's what I'm thinking now. I just don't think trap. You keep on saying trap, like a, like a trap that the firemen and or Judy. Uh, I'm not Jowday saying that's whether whether that's real or not, but I'm saying that implies that that someone has an ability to create another world, another reality. I don't think it was out. a created reality. I think it was just the reality through Cooper's perspective in the Black Lodge. I mean, it makes yeah, sense. So you think like the lodge is like pulling the strings, and like Cooper doesn't have any dreamer like control over this at all. I don't think he has any control of it. No, I don't. Yeah. I think that if it's a possibility, I, it, yeah, yeah, I just think that it makes sense to me that Cooper in, in the Black Lodge for 25 years wasn't just sitting in that chair for the whole time, that there were other sort of maybe adventures or investigations, and we're just seeing this one. And um, I just think that... Well, think of this, though. I agree with that, but think if he's going through this world and he's in these different realities and he's manifesting, like you may see Caroline in one, you may see Annie in one, you may see, you know, but they're not real. They're all because of him. They're these realities created because of his, like, subconscious. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, like, he's, he's interacting in, in them like they're real. He thinks they're real. He's not sitting around. It's not sitting around in a chair the entire time. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah, but you're talking it's very about sci-fi. This is a very sci-fi. It's like great, you know. what I'm saying like they're it's quantum, you know. Well, have you read? You've read Slaughterhouse Five, right? You mentioned this earlier, dude. I can't. I mean, you you gave me a summary. I'm not sure I ever did. I think I maybe or I blacked it out because it did not sound familiar. But explain to the audience the connection. It's one of my favorite uh, books. It's written by Kurt Vonnegut, and a, a brief summary is: it's the main character's named Billy Pilgrim, and I think it's the first line of the novel is. Billy Pilgrim has become unstuck in time. And we see the main character um, in different eras. Um, one of them is World War II, where actually Kurt Vonnegut himself was a prisoner of war. But it actually goes into the future as well, where he actually um, is uh, brought there by this alien species, the Tralfalmadorians, I believe, um, and put in this kind of glass menagerie, this cage, this zoo, a zoo with another uh, person, a woman, for the specific reasons of mating. But these Tralfalmadorians are very kind of similar um, to our, you know, firemen's or one our man. They have their own kind of philosophies. And the fact that the main character keeps on going back and forth in time without really kind of knowing it himself or having any control seems very similar to what maybe Cooper is going through. And there's a couple of interesting like quotes. I'm not going to go into it pretty much, but they talk about time. The Tralfalmadorians talk about time. And they basically say that um, 
Um, time does not change. It does not lend itself to warnings or explanations. It simply is. And all moments, past, present, future, always have existed and always will exist. So um, I'm not saying that Lynch and Frost took a page from Vonnegut's book, but I see some strong connections, correlations to Slaughterhouse Five. Maybe, yeah, maybe Cooper read that book in college, and it's all coming through in his interpretation. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. His version of subconscious is being manipulated, used by the Black Lodge to create these realities. Um, you know, maybe to trick him. Now, think about this. Like, so now, if you think of it this way, if you're finally coming around to this theory that it's all Black Lodge, uh, th- does that mean Judy is now? Because we were speculating that Judy was not a part of the Black Lodge at all. Now, do you think she is a part of the Black Lodge and that we're all living in a Black Lodge world? No, I don't think. I think there's a difference between Jowday and Judy. I think Jowday. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's just say Jowday then, the ultimate force, the box monster, the experiment. Right. Yeah, do I think that she's a part of the Black Lodge? Like, she's just, like, is she in it? Well, I I think that there's probably some connection because of the connection with Bob. Bob is a part or was a part of the Black Lodge. And we know that Bob is a part of that experiment that we saw in part eight. So I say yes, but we've had no concrete evidence other than maybe the influence of sucking Laura up out of the lodge and sucking her up out of the forest in 1989. Um, Because I think some people speculate that was Judy taking her either to the lodge or to Odessa. So I think that there is something there, but I'm not fully convinced of it. I could very well have been the fireman not wanting Cooper to bring Laura to his domain because like her story wasn't finished. The little girl lived down the lane. So I'm not entirely convinced, like I said, that Jaude is this master puppet or uh, omniscient godlike evil entity that is the harbinger or the overseer of the Black Lodge. It would be like the landlord of the Black Lodge, like it owns the Black Lodge. It's running the <laughs> It'd show. be Furley. Furley is the... Uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, I need to make an apology to the Black Lodge because I was comparing him to the Friars Club and a run-down bunch of old dudes that could need some more karma. But he had to keep going, and they were kind of... But now my brain's kind of like, I really do think that they, they uh, really are running the show. And that, like the Palmer House is an extension of the Black Lodge. Well, didn't David yeah. Nevins, the, so, show, sorry, everybody. the Showtime sorry, president, everybody. Yeah, sorry. say... The Can I talk now? Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry to all the Black Lives You should just kind of defer to the host from this point forward, actually. Um, Are you the host now? Okay. Now we're transitioning. We're going to go mid-transition. I'm just fucking with you, my friend. Let's turn over to Tom. (laughs) No, uh, the Showtime president, David Nevins, like one of of his quotes before the series ran, uh, one of the, the more prominent or famous quotes or infamous, some people maybe, was that this was the pure, uh, pure heroin version of David Lynch. But what he also said was for him, as a fan of the original series, what he was most interested about was, and he'd already seen all 18 hours. Obviously he wasn't going to reveal anything at that point before it aired, but he talked about the mythology of the lodge, the black lodge and its origins and um, like more to do with how um, it obviously came to be and its role in the series. And if we just look at the series as a whole, there wasn't really a lot in the black lodge other than, you know, Cooper's time there briefly, the one-armed man here and there, the evolution of the arm. Mostly it was all these other dimensions, portals, vortexes and whatnot. But if we go with the theory possibly that Cooper's journey by never actually leaving the lodge um, and what he experienced in Dougie Land and ultimately into Twin Peaks was this reality or construct within the Black Lodge, that would kind of tie in together with his quote. Maybe that was like a subtle hint 
that he was uh, giving everyone. Yeah, don't you think like every if we were to get season four, that at the end he'd end up in the Black Lodge again, like season five Black Lodge again, like the <laughs> you, Lodge. Like you like, were there's not going to be a happy ending. <laughs> it's going to end with the lights out every time. Right? Why don't you like, tell it, the uh, one way or another? Like think about like how in season one Cooper shot, season two Cooper smashed to the head, season season three Cooper freaking out while she's screaming. Like season four would be just it'd be season, it was just is never going to end with a happy ending because that's life, people. We're all going to die. We're all got the box monster waiting for us at the end. <laughs> Why did so to speak? So the Reaper. So uh, you know he's not going to sugarcoat and he like give us some happy bullshit. You know unless he really feels it, maybe he would eventually in season seven. Like give us some happy robins at the end but i think like you know th- that's part of the, the joy of the ride once i got over the shock is to realize it's always going to end in a cliffhanger with with coop in the lodge or, or on the precipice of uh, disaster no matter how many seasons we go it's why don't you why don't you tell loop? everyone what you actually said about cooper's journey at the end of seasons four five six seven and eight if we were to get them the one word summation no what was it? I can't remember. Like, I've already forgotten. You said fail, 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 fail. Oh, yeah, fail, fail, fail. fail. Yeah, he'll be failing constantly. <laughs> he'll get an F every time. Just like Mr. C got an F. He's been getting Fs. But that's the joy of it is to watch him fail. <laughs> I don't I don't think it was a... a... Foiled by the lie. Just call it foiled by the lie. That's really what he's, he's been... He's like uh, Inspector Clouseau sleeping on the banana every time. He's well, just think foiled. of, like, for me, what we're seeing with Cooper in the end of 17 and 18, I think is um, very similar to probably what Jeffries went through um, off camera and his journeys, where, which led him to nowhere, um, as um, Gordon Cole said. And he's now in the tea kettle, but Lynch in an interview said it was a machine. He said he fucked up with the actual creation of that device, and, and if he could change one thing, he would change that spout and make it more, I think, upright, because everyone calls it a tea kettle. He considers it a machine. but Kind of like an Olympic the design like a magical alchemy olympic but it's also similar to those alarms in the giant's domain right uh well they, the, they didn't have the little teapot spigot thing but yeah I mean, no but it's a little, little bit orb. similar yeah the, the, the shape of the frame yeah yeah but the whole thing with jeffrey's in uh, firewalk with me and the missing pieces he was in buenos Aires, and he was he received a message from miss judy he was inquiring about a miss judy and is that we're going on to now is the judy topic no 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 i'm talking about cooper and jeffrey's okay. yeah and he got uh, the message, and then the bell hop took his bags and led him presumably to his room. But somewhere between, you know, leaving the lobby and going to his room, he was transported to Philadelphia. And I find it interesting just that connection between a motel, because in Part 18, you know, Cooper and Diane have already crossed over, and they go to that motel, and Diane sees presumably like her doppelganger or tulpa. And they go into the, the room and, and they, they have sex. And then the next morning she's gone. And then when Cooper leaves, it's a different motel altogether. It's a different car. I think it's like a different time. So the connection of like the motel rooms and there wasn't any big electrical portal or anything fantastic. It was just Cooper leaving. But it for me, I think it would kind of mirror what Jeffries went through and Jeffries, it's slippery in here. I think his brain got scrambled over time, and I think Cooper's brain is getting scrambled, going back from 1989, being in the Lodge for 25 years, now being in whatever era with Diane, and then another one in Odessa. So I think that is, for me, with the unstuck in time, the Slaughterhouse-Five, and what Jeffries went through, I, I see some, some connections there. Uh, do you think Coop and Diane were having a telemic sex rit- ritual in that scene in uh, 18, trying to conjure Judy? 
Is that, that that's is that the, three, yeah. the just like Jack Parsons, right? Like I was like, okay, that's interesting. So they're trying to conjure through sex, like the evil, into this pocket trap universe. Well, no, like I, Aleister Crowley, yeah, is doing I, shit I, like this. Well, Aleister Crowley wrote the, the novel, secret, yeah, the, the Frost book. Well, Aleister Crowley wrote Moonchild, and then and he had this cult. He was um, in England. He couldn't come to the states, and then Jack Parsons, who was this genius rocket scientist. Uh, became the head of the chapter. I can't remember the name of it um, in uh, in Pasadena. This is the Pasadena chapter of Satan worshippers, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't. It was more than that. But <laughs> but he, he was did. like Alistair Crowley was like the scariest man in the world, right? He was a Satanist, right? The people thought he was a Satanist. Well, yeah, but he it was more of like an occult and black magic and, and deeper than that. But um, I think it's very easy to throw the Satanist label on there. But um, but I think like creating the moonshot. Like memory serves with him and L. Ron Hubbard, the, the head of the Scientology movement. Um, someone should make a movie about those two guys. I you know what? I think that. someone is making a, a series on Jack Parsons. If I'm, I think oh, I just read perfect. about that recently, That'd be awesome. That would be great. But they went to the desert. Breaking Bad meets Twin Peaks. Something like that. That would be a, that's a, that's a good tagline. I kind of yeah, like that. Yeah, um, yeah, but it wasn't about like making love. It was about like incantations. Um, I don't think um, and. Well, the, someone like the, yeah, I think it was even that article. But one of them had tied the uh, Jack Parsons' girlfriend was like some. She had the she had the she looked just like Diane with the red hair, the yeah. pale face, and she was a part of this ritual thing, and that's what popped up. No, she know, wasn't. This was part of the ritual. She appeared, so they performed the ritual in the desert, and it was they had music. I think they were playing Wagner or something, and they were <laughs> reciting all these incantations. And then they said that all these events occurred, like the wind would arise and storms would appear. And Parsons deemed it a success. It wasn't sex. I mean, even though they did some things related to sex, the actual creation of this moon child um, was not through sex. But when they got back to Pasadena, this strange woman with red hair appeared on their doorstep and Parsons was convinced that she was the embodiment of that moonchild, and he wound up, I think, marrying her. Yeah, she looked or at just least... like Diane, right? She had the exact. Yeah, and then L. Ron Hubbard stole her, and be, that oh became yeah, like and his ran wife. off with her. That yeah. was oh, I didn't know that was. <laughs> yeah, I think her name was Sarah. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think it was yeah, Sarah. So. But we, we always wanted to have a little Jack Parsons uh, backstory put into this. That kind of maybe yeah, but how did they interpret you... as that being that right? Well, you know more about this than I because you. Really, I mean, I, I read the article, but I think I only read it one time. But what is the whole oh, thing? You with, read it re- more recently than I did. Oh, I don't like think so. But so just because they're having sex means that it's related to Judy and summoning. Well, think of this. Yeah, just like the box monster. We've talked about this many times. Box right. monster is sex. That's what they did in New York. And so it's the same concept that like they're attracted to sex somehow. That that's how that they were brought into the little pocket trap universe. See, I'm not saying this is true. I don't really know. I'm just saying it's very interesting, and uh, it would explain that scene because that scene uh, alone is is you know really disturbing. I don't I don't want it to be just uh, Coop and Diane and that. I want it to be something else because it's so upsetting to me that scene. Right, and, and I like th- that idea. Like well, it is. <laughs> I just think it's a stretch to telemic sex rituals. Sure, bring it on. That sounds interesting. Okay, <laughs> you that was well. If not that, uh, then what? But okay, so if the, but okay, so say that is true, like. In, in New York City, we actually got to see that monster in that glass box. So if that was a success, is Carrie Page the embodiment of it? Or is the Tremons, is the Sarah Palmer house? Is that, that where, that's where the, their sex act? Yeah. 
that, no, I think that's what brought. I think that's exactly where Judy, of course, because that thing place exists in this universe. Uh, the house seven hundred eight, whatever street it is. Uh, what is the street that they live on? I don't know the street, but it is seven hundred eight. Is yeah, seven hundred eight? Yeah. So anyway, that's where it went. Yeah, it inhabited. Okay, we've seen the. They brought in the, the the ritual, and now that it senses like that, there's pain and suffering and evil and Laura, you know. That was the ideas that that, that I just that's trap. just too that's too much of a stretch. I think I I, I mean I don't I, I just don't I don't subscribe to it. I, it's an interesting theory. It's just there's it's just a I mean well we just have theories ourselves, but I just don't think that Judy is the embodiment of even Sarah Palmer. I don't think that is true in itself. I think if anything, it's the jumping man. We saw Sarah's face superimposed over the jumpy man. We saw that pointy thing, the pointy nose when she took her yeah. face off. That that frog moth also has a pointy nose. Um, that staircase above the convenience store is very similar to the staircase in the Palmer home. Um, we know the painting in the Palmer house that Mrs. Tremont gave Laura in Firewalk with me was a portal very similar to the convenience store. And we've talked about this endlessly. So I'm just not convinced that... It was that more like a spruced up version of the convenience store. I was watching it last night. Like It's, it's like, you know, it's a little good. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. The only thing that really, um, for me, would give kind of credence maybe to that a little bit is related to Mr. C's storyline of wanting the coordinates and winding up in the fireman's domain and being caged and seeing that screen. And on the screen was the Palmer house. And then he did the swipe and then it changed it to the sheriff's station. Presumably, for Mr. C wanted to go was the Palmer house and be connected to or you know go to Sarah Palmer I would think but I just if Judy or the mother is never inside the Palmer house that we saw the mother in eight spewing and we saw the mother in the beginning and that's it we don't ever see her again yeah I'm not convinced that the glass box monster is his mother as well that's disappointing isn't it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is. But if, if if the experiment is the embodiment of evil, it kind of makes... I like the idea that, like the idea that Alice Tremont is Judy. Like, that's the embodiment of Judy right there. They just answer the front. She's, Judy's not scared. She lands at the damn door. She's there. So, I mean, I think she's in every universe. That she's everywhere. She's you, running the show. You mean Judy is everywhere? Yeah. The evil. The, the extreme negative force. That's the, we're probably living in the pocket universe right now with, run by an extreme negative person. <laughs> no offense to anybody who voted for him, but hey. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, for me that ending, uh, and we talked about this. I just think that, you know, we know about the Chalfonts and the Tremonts with, you know, locations, whether it's next to Harold Smith's house, if it's at the Fat Trot trailer park, and now it's Sarah Palmer's house. So are we to presume that Judy or the experiment or what have you was also uh, at those locations as well. And those were major hubs of evil. Well, you were just talking last episode that Judy was popping down uh, at the end of episode two, you know, into the Palmer house right there. You were thinking that might be possible. Well, no, I I think that, yeah, no, I think that's not Judy. I think that when Sarah was watching the TV and we knew Cooper was on his journey ultimately to the Purple Room at that particular point, that was the moment where she became possessed, possibly by either the Jumpy Man. Your eyes get really wide. Yeah, yeah. that was. I like the idea of the Jumpy Man, but you know, isn't it weird? Like, I mean, back in the day, we were never splitting hairs. Like, is this the Jumpy Man? Is this Judy? Is this this that the Box Monster Mother? It's just all evil spirits from the lodge. You know what I mean? Like, why are we? You know, isn't that if we could just accept that? Then I think it make things a lot easier for me. Just say, oops, it's another scary critter. Uh, what it is, it doesn't really matter necessarily, unless it's like the most evil of all, which we've never really truly seen. 
You know, right, so. right, right. Well, do you think they're all one? They're all a part of the same, you know, universe lodge. That's it. We could just say that's. It. I think that really there's yeah answering that door behind Alice Tremont, but it's evil and it's lodge evil, right? Well, yeah, but I think that that you can differentiate the Black Lodge from the convenience store. I don't think that they're fraternal. I don't think they're one and the same, so to speak. Um, but obviously, you see, now I'm starting to think like in this Cooper Lodgian universe. Like I think it is like everything's just one. It's all a part of the same thing. You mean that the negative force is all that everything the lot the negative I mean Judy mother the negative force convenience store the Black Lodge it's all a part of the same Cooper multiverse the re, re, loop we're watching. Well, expound on that. Well, obviously it is. It's in the TV show. You know what I mean? Like I think like we spent the entire time chasing our tails with all these clues to try to differentiate. Well, what's going this? Who's going where? Is the lodge a part of this? Is the convenience store that? You know, all this stuff is the lodge like lost it. Black Lodge now somehow the Friars Club and you know now the you know other you know I think really that was just we're just thinking too much. It's all one thing here. We're looking at one big evil. Well, why and we might be living in it right now. Well, why in part eight? <laughs> Well, why in part and that see part eight that shows the whole thing that that's the impetus of all the evil here. The, the, we're all right now like still we've got little radioactive microscopic and the whole world is covered in it, right? Well, yeah, yeah but so. evil existed before the atomic bomb. I just think that this evil yeah, is this became more prevalent after the uh, the Trinity test and woodsman and experiment and bob even though i i, I still when like you say this evil would you say there's other evils that are not you know there's plenty of other human dumb evils this is just otherworldly evil well yeah evil. other yeah right but i i still think that there was otherworldly evil before um the atomic test and the judy or the experiment jaude what, whatever you want to call her i think is the embodiment of that but i don't think she just came to our existence in 1945. We know that evil existed in, in the Garden of Eden, if you want to go you know, to that myth, that, uh, that uh, religion, that theory, what have you. So, um, no, so you're saying they're all monkeys. Is that what you're <laughs> they're all monkeys. I wish we had a monkey. We didn't get any monkeys. Yeah. I still think... You've been wanting the space monkey, yeah. I still on. think... You thought you saw a monkey somewhere. Well, yeah. I, just think, I still think when Naido was changing into Diane for a glimpse, at least... I was convinced I saw a monkey faced um, when she was transforming to Diane. I can't take a good picture on my damn TV, but I was convinced of that. What do you think of the Bob bubble after all these weeks? <laughs> How's that sitting with you? I just, I, I, I did this whole thing. I, I tweeted something about Bob's like he made a mistake with Mr. C. He should have just stayed with Leland all these years. I mean, to have. He's dead. You know, I. What? No, Bob isn't. You can't. Bob is dead. No, Leland was dead. He couldn't stay with Leland. Leland's dead. He smashed his head. He's gone. Well, no, he he obviously, he, but he could have, you know, I think influenced Leland to not die. He didn't have to let Leland go. Well, he ended up um, like Mr. C in jail. Jail Bob. You don't see that. Well, no, no, no. You saw how that was. <laughs> if, if Bob, if Leland was a little bit, you know, uh, well, not a little bit, but less insane. And really trying to like bat, hit Cooper, you know, over the head with a golf club almost, and like basically telegraphing, you know, his evil. Then I don't think he would have been caught. I mean, you know, Cooper uh, probably would have spent like years trying to figure out the case. At the very minimum, Leland would have put on some really interesting like theater productions in jail with Bob and Simon. <laughs> right. For Thirty years. Right. I, just, I still love it. Yeah. So you're still a fan? You're still into it? Or you just wish there was like a real? Because they couldn't have done anything with Bob anyway, you know. But. We weren't we weren't expecting a confrontation between Mr. C and Coop in the, in the first place. So 
Like, I don't feel like we, I feel, I like it. I'm satisfied. They could have done anything with Bob, and, and Bob's not dead. Bob's just gone for now. He's not dead. Well, like, I, how could you kill Bob like that? Like, well, he's just he's not dead. He's just gone for a second. You saw little blurps. You didn't just you know what I'm saying he's floating up in space. He'll be back. No, I just don't think that um, the Bob bubble was uh, quite as effective as I hoped. I loved it in part eight. I loved that scene after Mr. C got uh, Mr. C got shot and the woodsman, but I didn't like this final kind of video game, um, kind of cheesy effects in part 17, this extended battle with Freddy and the green glove and Bob being defeated so easily. Um, I wish there may have been a little bit of a, maybe a different representation of Bob at that particular point. Why didn't he just take off? Did he feel compelled to go after Freddy, did he recognize that that glove was a part of the fireman, and that just he just was like a rabid dog and just had to go after um, that Freddy and the glove? I, I just I just didn't really like the Bob bubble, um, but uh, it is it exists. It was fine. It was good. It just wasn't as effective as I thought it would be, and I didn't like Bob like being. I mean, I don't think he's defeated, but he was destroyed in that incarnation. He no longer exists as a bubble, or at least that bubble. Uh, yeah, well, I think it ties thematically into the whole that that was like a, a dream of Cooper's that was a, was not real. Maybe Cooper also played uh, Dragon Ball Z in college in his early years. Maybe, maybe he was, had some down ball, downtime at the <laughs> in the lodge. He maybe got a copy of the whatever video game console that is. But yeah, I mean, it seemed like that was just a part of the fantastical Wizard of Oz type uh, ending. That it's maybe Frost. Do you think Frost wrote that one and uh, Lynch wrote episode eighteen? And that's like maybe like Frost like had he wanted to end it that way. And that Lynch came in and, and like we've talked about, like that was really the original ending. Yeah, I don't know. I have. I mean, I don't think we'll ever know. I don't think they'll ever publish the script. And oh, I think if they did horrible. publish the script, it'd be like, well, can't we they, know. Can't it's, that leak now? By now, can't somebody just leak that fucking thing? You know, what I'm saying? it doesn't matter, right? There's not going to be any more. No, I agree. I just, it, please. I don't. I don't I'd love to we, read that thing. That would be I very would too. insightful. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever get the script, so I don't think we'll ever really Well, why do really you say know? that? We I mean, got, like, Firewalk With Me scripts and all the other scripts. Why do you think this one is uh, just because they destroyed them all? They don't exist? Well, no, I don't think it's because they destroyed them. I just think that um, – I, I just don't – it's a gut it's feeling. I don't think that we're going to get the script. I think that, for me, I think the script was like a blueprint. I think it was um, – they collaborated, Lynch and Frost – and at some point, when Mark Frost went off to write The Secret History of Twin Peaks, I think Lynch continued to write. And I think how Lynch writes, as we saw in that documentary and that legal notepad, I don't think he actually sits in front of a computer and actually formats it like final uh, draft. And I think that, if memory serves, the script was in like all these different like notebooks and they had all these different you know like tabs and everything. I don't think it was ever like a conventional script. So I think that they could compile it. What about it. the Bible that Showtime got? Didn't they get a big phone book size script they always talked about? Well, yeah, I think so. But I think that it, it, it was fluid. I think it, it changed um, over time, especially at some point when they ran into some issues with negotiations. I think because Lynch and Frost expanded it. But I think that was more like Lynch. I think because, I mean, looking at the whole series, I mean, this is... It, you know, obviously it's Lynch and Frost, but this is predominantly David Lynch. And I'm not just talking about visual. I'm talking about themes. Uh, I'm talking about you know the narrative, uh, the abstractions. I mean, this is there. And there's mythology in there. I think the mythology is a lot of a lot of Frost mythology. Yeah, I'm not saying there. he's not a part of it. I think he's a big part of it. But I think that Lynch probably drove the you know the car, drove the boat. 
um, with with the actual script itself. And I think Frost probably allowed him to do that. As I don't think Lynch at this point in his career is up for collaboration. I mean, I think the last two movies he he wrote, Mulholland Drive and Inland Empire, those were solo screen credits. And I think Lynch at this point wants to just have like full creative control, not only with production, but conceptualized and conceptualizing it as well. And that includes collaborate. I mean, they didn't really even write together in person. They pretty much collaborated uh, over Skype. And uh, he Lynch even did that with Angelo when they were when Angelo was composing some of the pieces. So Lynch was really kind of insular. He was at his compound conceiving this and um, and going on his you know on his own. I think with collaboration, but not as much as I think you know maybe people suspect. Yeah, it was just interesting listening to Kyle McLaughlin. I think he said that uh, you know he did that last scene. And after he did it, he was like, wow, like that's going to be an intense last scene. If it's the last scene, you know, which one I think that's what the, the, the final scene in this, in the, in the movie or the show, yeah. the scream and the whole lights. He was like, wow, but he didn't know, you know, and I think it's like, well, I would love to know what shooting script he had and like what, that, what, what they thought that they were shooting. You know, I would love to see that even if it was. Yeah, no, I thought he read, he was. The nine episode when they, the one they submitted to to Showtime. Wonder if they won't, because what if people go, that was a great, they should have just shot that. (laughs) That would have been awesome. (laughs) Maybe that's not why Lynch doesn't want to reveal it, because I'm like, why would they not want to reveal it? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't. I guess that's a reason. Yeah, I don't think that they they don't want to reveal it, that it's going to offer some. I thought they would sell it. Like, if they're selling, you know, sell it. Yeah, I just sell it. Yeah, I don't think the Inland Empire script is out there, and because I think that that's the way Lynch wrote it. Lynch wrote it like kind of scene by scene. And there's this one. If you watch the documentary on Inland Empire, which is very very fascinating, at some point, like in his house, he had his assistant tape all of these index cards up to a wall, and I believe they were uh, the scene construction. And Lynch would just sit in a chair like smoking cigarettes and he'd like look at it and then he would change certain things around. I think that's kind of similar to what we got here in uh, Twin Peaks The Return. I think that it, like I said, it was a fluid. I think that there was a spine and there was a script from beginning, middle to end. But just... Just think about like all the scenes. There's 800 like index cards on the on the court board. <laughs> they're all different colors. They're all the individual scenes, and he's just moving them around. You know, <laughs> that would be very interesting if that's the way he does it. I think like it because th- he's probably just playing it like a like a, a conductor, like playing it in his head. You know, what I'm saying and he go okay. Let me. That's very an intuitive, very abstract way of. I guess I could kind of see that as a writer, like organizing thoughts and ideas. That's very compelling. I never thought about him doing that. Do you think he does that? Yes. There's a big like. The board, there it is. I mean, a lot of uh, people do that with scenes and dialogue and scripts and stuff, but not like it would be great, like over 18 episodes. That would be a mammoth <laughs> storyboard, dude. <laughs> I, yeah. And I would love to see like all the other guys like Frosty. Wait, wait, wait. You're, what are you changing? What are you doing? Why are you moving that one? Nah, don't worry about it. It's going to be good. Like, <laughs> just like, you know, doing <laughs> these intuitive power moves. Um, but it had to start with something. I think it was probably was way more Frosty in the beginning. Well, no, I oh, think. God. Before Lynch sat down with the cigarette, started moving around the. The index cards over the, the board. Yeah, no, I think that there is a script. There was a, a big script, and um, they obviously had to submit it to Showtime. But I think that uh, it probably didn't really read like a conventional script. Even Frost himself said that he considers the Twin Peaks, The Return, as like kind of like a novel, like chapters. And so I don't think that they did the final draft. I mean, I'm sure it looked somewhat like similar, but I think that was 
um, that's another reason why that we're not going to probably see it. And I think that there was probably a reason. I think Lynch doesn't want to be tied down at this point in his career to a conventional script. I think this is just how he's evolved as an artist. I think not only writing, but actually directing. And he likes to live in the moment and experiment not only in production, but pre-production and in post-production. So it would make sense that there isn't a definitive beginning, middle, and end script of what we just saw. I think there is of like maybe 75% of what we saw, but I think there's a big chunk that um, that is different and probably isn't you know in that proper format. Okay, now what? <laughs> well, no, there's a there's a myriad of like topics. Like first and foremost, for me, that we barely even scratched the surface with like really the the finale of part seventeen. The huge thing, I think, the big thing that has got a lot of people up in arms, especially. Well, I mean, I would assume that most of the people who watched the return were huge fans of the original series, but basically <laughs> pulling the old tabula rasa, you know, finding Laura. And saving her and, you know, her not being killed at that moment in Firewalk with me and going back to the pilot and seeing Pete going fishing instead of calling Harry and said she's dead, wrapped in plastic. I mean, that opens up like this huge, 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 uh, this possibility of not- I mean the big rift of whether whether she died or not, whether the first ser- the series happened or not. Is that the bit what you're leading well, to? Well, poss- yeah. I mean, what, what do you speculate? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I do not know whether she, whether it was, I, upon first impression, I felt she got sucked up into the woods and that, um, that it failed. That it was a failed attempt to change reality, but we saw her not die. Um, and then she ends up in the, the, the Carrie, you know, trap, uh, universe, which maybe it could imply you thought even that the, the white lodge sucked her away and, and dropped her, maybe dropped her conceivably in that universe, or maybe she stayed in the, the black lodge for a while, but I, I'm just not sure. I'm not, that's, I think that's what. Lynch and Frost, or Lynch at least, wants us to let go. Like, did the entire season not happen? Did this season even happen? Like, on a different level, did this season happen? It was all in Cooper's head. But did did that, because we saw at the very end, like, the town was different. If that was supposedly real life, you know, the double R was different. Um, I don't know, man. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was a setup. I think it was a setup for his. He had to know that would really, just even to imply that, would have to, it's like, I know a lot of really hard, I mean, I'm into the modernist takes and stuff, so I loved it, but some people were freaking out. <laughs> and they are still freaking out. They think it's over. They think that he erased the whole first series, that he erased the, the first series. Well, here's the thing. The first not. series will always exist, obviously. I mean, in our real Yeah, it world. had to happen for it not to happen, right? right? Yeah, and I think it yeah. did. I think it did happen. But I think for me, in my opinion, that by him changing the events and showing her body washed up on shore and just like Cooper when you are far away it dissolves and Pete doesn't call Harry and he goes fishing that it's all set up and I think for me it's Lynch primarily this is Lynch wanting to I'm not saying go back in time keep it going and change, but start over well not just start over but he never wanted to solve the murder of who killed Laura Palmer. Now he has an even bigger mystery um, that, you know, where is Laura Palmer? What happened to Laura Palmer? Because I think that if on this timeline, if she didn't die, that we're still going to have a lot of the same 
elements in place with the characters. Obviously, Cooper wouldn't come to town to investigate. Well, think of this also. She would have just been missing. She would have died in people's eyes. She would have just disappeared from the face of the earth. She may have not died, but she wouldn't have gone back to the house and say, hey, mom, hey, dad. She because Leland would have killed her again <laughs> the next day. Right. So they had to get her out of there, you know, so she went somewhere. Yeah, either she's missing, you know what I'm saying? Even if she, she doesn't die, she still would be considered missing and she would die in the eyes of the town. Also, after those scenes in part 17, where we see Pete not, you know, going fishing, the first shot or the next scene that follows is Sarah in the house trying to destroy the homecoming picture and she can't. So that is obviously in this current timeline. So did it really affect the events? Is it like the mother, the, the evil force in the lodge, mother, the jumping man or whatever, try, that's trying to smash and kill Laura after she had been saved? And it's angry that Cooper's plot, you know, that Cooper's trying to change time and it's getting really pissed off. And then eventually it sucks it away. Like, what do you think? That's what I'm thinking maybe happened. Laura is eternal. And I don't think she understands that. I think we can interpret that since she emanated from the firemen and he seems to be like a godlike figure that she cannot be destroyed. She could be killed like she was in Firewalk with me, but her spirit will always live on, whether it's in the Black Lodge or some other you know, parallel dimension. And I think that what we saw in the end of Part 17 was... Whatever that plot was with Sarah Palmer and what was ever possessing her and whatever the house represented at that point, and if it was tied to Mr. C's endgame or not, was thwarted at that particular point um, by Cooper going back in 1989. And that's what we saw, the reaction of Sarah. Like I think that that evil, whatever it was, wanted to somehow destroy her, destroy Laura Palmer, and it was thwarted. And we just saw that through Sarah Palmer trying to destroy it. And, and which cannot, you cannot kill Laura Palmer. Or maybe you can, but, you know, th- th- at least that evil itself doesn't understand, doesn't know how to kill Laura Palmer. But I just don't think that you can. I don't think you ever can. She's dead. <laughs> what do you mean? How you, she, what do you mean she's, she's dead? Alive. She's dead, but she's she dead, lives. She's dead, yet she lives. I'm saying, yet she lives. You're saying you can't kill her. Well, she's dead, but yet she lives. She well, that's, lives a, she, no, but that's her interpretation of it. I mean, just look at her expression, her face when she's talking to Well, but Cooper. think of this way, like, you know, just two, two seconds after that happens, then what happens to her, Laura? Like, it's almost like Sarah gears up and goes, uh-uh, I'm taking you back. You think you're not going to die? You are going to die, and I'm going to suck you back. I don't think it was Sarah, though. I don't think that's yeah. it. I, I don't like the idea of this kind of just mysterious, invisible, omniscient, you know, being that is able to just suck up anyone at any particular time. Um, obviously it happened, but for me, I, I do like the fact that it is mysterious. And what I like to you know, kind of interpret is the reasons why and not necessarily who did it. It's less interesting to me. Um, it's more mysterious that way. I mean, there's some things that I think that should remain a mystery, but related to what Cooper is going through and what Laura is going through, I like to speculate on that. But the idea of the fireman and the experiment being, you know, in theory, the embodiment of good and evil, they're not as interesting characters to me because there are no shades. It's just, it's, it's light and it's dark. It's all the gray that is more interesting to me. And I think we're, we see that with all of our characters, primarily, you know, Cooper, Laura, but pretty much everyone. They have those shades of gray. That's what's really interesting. 
Well, yeah, and I'm watching that scene right now of her smashing the paint. I mean, and you could even the, her, her her prom picture, and you could even take it as as being a real scene of Sarah suffering and that you know going mad that that she's you know her life has been ruined by this, and she's literally trying to destroy her own daughter's picture because it's you know she's angry at her at that moment. It's like a painting. You go into a you know the Met or whatever, and you look at this amazing like Guernica or something from Picasso, this masterful giant, you know, epic canvas. And there's no words. There's no explanation. Obviously, Guernica is based on a real uh, event, but like something that's abstract. And, you know, you can sit there and have 8 million interpretations, and that's what we're all doing. Right. Uh, I'm watching this scene now. This scene, I mean, it's just like like Orpheus and Eurydice. They say this whole walking through the, you know, I remember hearing and reading about that and him leading her through, you know, and if he turned around, she she would disappear. And she did. Um, but it's a haunting. I just don't know where she went. You know, there's a theory that like, or you could think that like, if this is a different Cooper verse reality that she gets sucked away. Um, and that's it forever. You know, other people are like, Oh, well no, she shows up as Carrie page later. Well, that could be a completely different reality, a different dimension, you know, where she's existing in that place too. And this one, she is gone forever. I, I, for me, she went into the lodge. She didn't go to Odessa. Um, I think that she was, like Cooper, we've seen Cooper in Firewalk with me before he ever went to Twin Peaks. He told Laura, don't take the ring. And there was another scene, obviously the end, he was with Laura right after she died. Cooper, like Laura, they're always tied to the lodge. Now we know time is you know nebulous in the lodge, but I think that they've always been tied together. And I think that they've always been there. So it makes sense to me that when she was sucked up, she went back to the lodge. And then when she was sucked out of the lodge, that's when she went to Odessa. But I want to say before I forget that paint, that the homecoming picture that Sarah is trying to destroy, that, you know, obviously on, on the surface level, trying to smash Laura Palmer herself, but knowing that she came from the firemen, if Laura does, or if Sarah does represent this, this, this evil, we know that there is something evil inside of her. It could be more so uh, to do with the firemen and not Laura Palmer herself. So it could be just good in general is what I'm saying is the light. That the evil is really trying to like stick it to the light, the good, and can't do it. Just like you can't kill evil, you can't kill good. They're just inexorably tied together. Yeah, like the yin and yang of the universe. Like here I am watching Julie Cruz again. I'd forgotten. Okay, I guess she did get stuck back in the lodge because the see, you see the red curtains immediately. <laughs> so yeah, okay, that's where she went. She went to the lodge. Yeah, right? I think she, she went to the lodge. To, yeah. yeah, and also another scene with Cooper for me, and this was a Lynch-directed episode. I think if you want to go to the original series and canon from the original series, I think there's a lot of episodes that Lynch and Frost discarded in this new iteration. But I think any episode that Lynch directed would you know, be considered canon. And for me, one of the most striking and important visual um, clues is the end of episode 14, right after Leland kills Maddie. And we go back to the roadhouse and it's just one of the most poignant, sad, heartbreaking scenes of, of the entire series. But when Cooper, uh, the very last shot is Julie Cruz dissolves in the red drapes and Cooper's face is superimposed over the red curtains and ultimately fades out. That's his fate. That's foreshadowing, obviously. But I think it's also tied in that he is part of that, part of the lodge. I mean, that is his destiny. 
whether he's been there or not forever, who the hell knows? But um, I'm starting to subscribe. He's to that. Mr. Dreamweaver. That's why I now understand why uh, she called uh, him a Janie uh, called Dougie the Dreamweaver. That's what he is. He's a Dreamweaver. It's just Cooper. We're all he's just weaving the dreams. They don't always end. That's what I'm saying. It's a dream, but it always turns into a nightmare at the end. Every one of his dreams always end up with Laura getting sucked into the lodge. <laughs> well, fail, well, fail, fail. I just don't. Yeah, I don't think that it's all about Laura. Like you said, I think. This mission. At least he got to like uh, do get a Cooper. Or he got to kill uh, Mister C, even though he didn't really do it. The, the giant had that taken care of. But like at least that happened. He succeeded sort of passively, and allowing and you know that occurred. So that was a successful mission for him in the lodge in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. At least Mister C's dead. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. always fail, even though he didn't kill. Now he's fully formed and completely and completely flawed now again. We <laughs> have all this multiple bizarro personalities floating up and freaking us out. Yeah, he it really is. He's not Cooper. Wouldn't you kind of like, man, I kind of wish Mr. C was like, wouldn't he go like, I wish Mr. C was still his own person. He's kind of bumming me out now that he's inside of me again. What do you mean? Oh, you mean like in part 18? Yeah, maybe Cooper doesn't want him back. He's like, I wish I could just have kept him. You know, that he wanted to do what was the impossible, which was to kill his dark side. You uh, can't. You know. And I think yeah. we're seeing that. I think that is what part 18, a big theme of part 18, obviously is, is good and evil. Obviously a big theme of the entire series but now with Cooper not really kind of dealing with his shadow self in the whole series and um, focusing on finding Laura um, he has that part of him in within him that darkness within him and I don't think he's able to you know a reconcile it and b even recognize it at this particular point and I think it was a very telling sign that that major set piece in the middle of part 18 at Judy's what you know, was at a coffee shop and the waitress actually served him coffee and he didn't do what we all expected Cooper to do. And obviously when those three thugs, cowboy thugs, approached him. Was that him, even really a cup of coffee? It seemed like that was the lodge coffee. Lodge why? Coffee. Because it wasn't like, filled to the top? Because it was empty. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a bad really pour. Him, right? Yeah, it was a bad pour. That was really the only part of part 18 other than maybe a few of the driving shots with, with Laura, um, where I, I think we all doubted like who we were seeing there. It did not, it was not Cooper. And he would vacillate. You know, he would saw Carrie Page. It seemed like he was kind of Cooper. You know, and even at the Tremont house, or at the Sarah Palmer house, the it's kind of like Cooper. But with making love with Diane and having that emotionless expression on his face while they're having sex, more like Mr. C. Do you think like when he's driving now for all eternity in the car with Laura, like that he thinks back and like thinks of Janie and goes like the one that got away. <laughs> Maybe I should have done that. He's envious of the his doppelduggy over there, Tulpa. He had a great life. Like think of that guy. He's got to have. He's got a great life. He's got uh, he's got the Lucky Seven Insurance. He's got the Mitchum brothers, Candyman and Sandy. He's got a great family. He's living the life for him. Yeah, he's living the life he should be leading. Leading. Maybe he's going to come take over that life at some point. What if he comes and just. Uh, <laughs> his dark side leads him to assassinate the fifth Dougie or the third Dougie to take over the, the that might be season four well yeah Cooper's never been lucky in loves so I don't think that's his destiny but uh, yeah it is I see why his lovemaking skills are a little strange <laughs> well what about with Janie E in that one episode that was Cooper actually having he seemed to be enjoying that's himself right. yeah. that seemed fun that sounds good yeah I like that, that there is a whole thing with the the, the, the the ritualistic you were talking about Jack Parsons and with Diane and uh, Cooper in the motel room, um, but also would it have convinced you if that was a telemic sex ritual if like Rammstein was playing? In the 
Yes. The platters was pretty uh, pretty creepy to me. That, that seemed like evil. That seemed like ritualistic. After God, that was that was really movie. that was just fantastic. I I really. I mean, the first time I saw that scene, it I mean it went on and on and on. I what was, if we saw like the woodsman like creeping at the corner, like Bob at the bed at the end of the bed, like halfway through the shot? That'd be great. Would it be a little bit over Recreating the top? A little crouch? I think it'd be a little too much. I think <laughs> I love just the hands on his face. That for yeah. me was. That would be that's creepier than seeing like a woodsman in the room because it's 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 real, and uh, it was disturbing that she was and she wasn't in physical pain. I think she was. Didn't we see that? Oh no, it was like the mystery man's face over in oh, Lost Highway. Yeah, Highway. right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. Right, like, right. Um, Sorry. No, you you made me lose my train of thought though, but that's okay. We've got. Uh, uh, well, other... we're talking about telemic set rituals. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, because of the the tulpas, right? But when Cooper actually wakes up in part 16 and tells the one-armed man that he wants him to make another tulpa, obviously the, the, the Cooper, Dougie, that goes back to Janie E., you were saying, well, that's just because you know he knows everything that was going around with Mr. C., just like Mr. C. knows everything that's going around with Cooper. But is it possible um, that there are maybe other Coopers um, in different realities, like tulpas that have been manufactured, whether by Mr. C or Cooper. Oh God! I mean, <laughs> that's what we're gonna find in season four. There's like a thousand of these guys running around. Well, I just, yeah, yeah sure. it's just for me. I think I would like that. Yeah, yeah, I could see, could see it happen. The, the reason why, I, for what purpose though? They're kind of bumbling. What's the purpose? Well, the reason why I do? say that is because Mr. C took Diane to what we think was the convenience store. And that's where he tulped her. We don't know how the hell he did it because he didn't have that gold bead. But maybe he's, you know, he's got the the handbook, the uh, Alistair Crowley handbook on how to tulpa someone without like their soul. But the fact that when Cooper went into the, I would not think that he would have that skill. He doesn't seem to have any skills. You know what I mean? Ooh, Mr. I C. See Mr. C. Yeah, I can't see Mr. C. Can rub faces to death and do the arm wrestling, but I can't see him pulling off a tulpa ritual. <laughs> ritual? Can you? He doesn't seem that smart. He seems less smart as Cooper. No, I think that Cooper is well. The Cooper that we saw in part you see him in the, is, in the lab with the lab coat and the little goggles and stuff, and yeah, right. beakers bubbling. <laughs> well, I, I just think that it's possible that there are more tulpas out there. Even though I don't like this crazy happy tulpa theory where anyone can be a tulpa, but what I want to say is the scene when Cooper goes into the the room, uh, the door uh, in the furnace room below the Great Northern, he sees the one our man. And that's the only time that the one-armed man uh, speaks normally. And he recites the famous poem, uh, poem Through the Darkness of Future Past. And then there's that static, you know, and you see these double images. Yeah, of, face on face on face. face. Right. And then they automa- they're automatic. It's almost like symbolizing that the lodge is inside Cooper. That the Cooper, he is the lodge. You know well, I mean? they, their faces were being superimposed. The evil Alistair Bell eye. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> right. Face, face, face. I was like, great. I love that. That was awesome. Well, also, that's what they're symbolizing there. The, so I wonder what that meant. Well, the same thing happens just a few minutes later when the one-armed man says, electricity. The same thing happens. And there, I don't remember it, the same thing happening. I think his eyes like actually close. It starts to do the same thing, but it doesn't show. It, the the one-armed man's face does not superimpose over Cooper's face the second time. No, it doesn't. They just start su- getting all the yeah, the jumpy, 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 and then you start cutting really close into Cooper, and then you freeze, freeze his eyes closed. Right, which implies that he's going into his dream world. What it's Black Lodge? It's another Black Lodge dream. Like you can go in. It's another manifested Black Lodge dream reality. But he specifically, first. just a few minutes earlier, actually in part eighteen. When he creates the new tulpa, he says that same thing, electricity. 
and that's the you know the magic word that yeah it's like the big bang he does it's a little right man's but big that, okay bang. when have we it's heard that before well we heard it just right then and we heard it in fire walk with me with the electrician who was played by carlton or not Car- uh jeez uh, what's his name he was reggie in wild at heart uh, calvin lockhart he said electricity in the convenience store scene um Obviously, I don't think that uh, tulpas uh, existed in the mythology at that particular point. I think it was a new um, conception for the for the return. But what I'm trying to get at, I'm not saying that we're seeing the creation of another tulpa. But wouldn't it make sense that Richard, this identity, having components of both Cooper and Mr. C, um, instead of like an identity crisis, which we discussed, which I strongly believe, but... Another theory is is that maybe this is another version of Cooper, and it could have been done at any point along the journey. So he jumped into because like that's what they say like when you get there you will already be there like that's what Renette tells right. him. So to jump into a new multiverse, perhaps there has to be a Dougie there waiting for you. Like you're saying a tulpa a seed a pod to jump right. into. Well, well, right? it's possible. What I'm saying is that I just think that we've only scratched the surface with Cooper's journey is. You know, one thing is like it seemed like those curtains really hung out a long time on the, the glass. They and did, groove. yeah, they did a they long did. time, and they were they were larger. They were right. huge. It was almost like they're on a state, like for several shots, like it was just hanging yeah. up there, and which kind of makes me go, it is not. They never really left. It's like the the version of that. You know what I mean? Like that kind of like makes it seem even more like it is another uh, Black Lodge multiverse yeah. instead of rather instead of just really bumping out into. You know the real glass of no. I, I agree. I think that that really is the new um, uh, like theory is that the Black Lodge itself is um, it has multiple realities, and Cooper's journey. We're seeing multiple infinite. Yeah, inf- I, I, yeah, infinite. Would you see that the space uh, orbit up there is that in the Black Lodge? What do you as mean well? the space orb? What do you when he falls into the satellite and the Nido oh, in episode oh, oh, three oh, oh, oh. and the Briggs yeah, head? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I don't think also he ever well. left. I really, really, really don't think. I think that whole journey was through. He left through the floor. Yeah. We thought he was. Yeah, we thought he was falling through the floor to non-existence into a different realm, like through that astral plane like shoot. But really, it was just to the like an elevator down to the next floor. Of right. The Black it's, Lodge. I think you're exactly right. And here's another clue for you all. Besides the walruses, Paul, when he was in, uh, well, he in part three, the astral plane after Naido was falling through space. And he saw uh, Major Briggs' uh, floating head, and Major Briggs said, Blue Rose. And um, I think there's a reason why we got the mythology uh, behind Blue Rose related to Tulpas. I mean, that, that really was, I think, originally it was kind of these supernatural cases that the FBI was working on. But I think what we're now going on, with Albert's tale at least, was uh, the Tulpas are playing a big part of the blue rose and by him saying that to cooper it could be one of two things it could be a clue related to naido and diane um and it or it also could be a clue related to dougie when you get there you'll already be there ties back to the tulpas yeah. well yeah maybe if there's a season four it'd be like doctor who if doctor who goes on his adventures you would think okay say you have a loved one like diane you don't want to bring the real diane because she could get killed she's got other things to do so you bring a tulpa diane on these misadventures around the universe and if she gets killed you just go make another one well yeah and and, and part 18 yeah. when they went to that first motel right and cooper goes in to check in diane's just in the car and she senses something and she looks out and she sees herself dressed very similarly 
And if exactly we're, if we're exactly if we're going on this um, black lodge, this another uh, plane of existence that is. Um, an extension of the Black Lodge. What do we know primarily about the lodge? Is it's populated by doppelgangers, and that for me is like a visual clue that we're seeing an extension of the Black Lodge. And she somehow well, maybe it's her like not even knowing if she is one, and then she's seeing yes. it. Yes, okay, I am right, and I think she gets it. I think she gets it. That's why she sends the note, and it could be a thing or whatever. Who the hell knows? Damn it, I'm a doppel, Tom. <laughs> Are you pissed? Have you found you were a doppel? Do you think you're a doppel? I think my doppel would be more interesting than me. I'd kind of actually prefer to be a doppel. We talked about this. Yeah, you, you can we did. Swapped out at yeah, some point. yeah. Okay, keep going. Sorry. You, you stay the, the same you know, lovable self that you are. You're great. I've got problems. Uh, yeah, well, we can always tulpa you. We need to get the tulpa recipe, actually, because we need to start making them of David Nevins and uh, anybody else of influence. Right, to right. Formates, so. But wouldn't it be interesting? Do you have any last thoughts? Are we going to go an hour here? Well, how long do you want to go today? Well, until we just wrap it up. There's a couple of things I still want to talk about. Well, you wrap it up because you're the hostess. Yeah, I'm just going to actually, if you can just take a break, I'm going to just go on for the next yeah, 15 I'm minutes. Yeah, go up for nope. a <laughs> Would it be interesting, though, is that when Cooper and Diane went into the room and they made love, obviously, um, Cooper woke up the next morning. It was a, I wasn't we, making love. That was ritualistic sex. Okay, so I'll be fine now. <laughs> but Diane, or Diane saw her doppelganger. That, I mean, for me, that represents Linda. And, um, and I don't think when they crossed over then Cooper automatically became Richard and Diane automatically came became Linda. I think when they, after they had sex and something happened at that point because obviously Diane uh, wrote that note as Linda calling him Richard and when he woke up and left the room, he was in a different location altogether, had a different car and everything. That that that's where the switch that something happened and the only thing that i can subscribe it to is like i said is the jeffries thing is that that what we're seeing here in is another realm another um aspect of the black lodge and you can never trust it you don't know who is who reality doppelgangers anything and that's what's so fascinating to me even the palmer house itself is a doppel just like we talked about in the last podcast, I think the Red Room, the Black Lodge itself, there is a doppel of that. There's That's the whole thing is the duality. That has been the number one theme in all of Lynch's movies. Yeah, maybe in future episodes, like since we've gotten the coffee and pie crowd out, we can just go into full abstractions <laughs> and not worry about any of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I mean, a lot of if, if we go into season four, there'll be some carryovers like, I must find out. What happened to Audrey? And I'm going to keep watching this fucking show. And it doesn't happen, you know? So I think once we get all that out of the way, because a lot of people will still, like, think about it this way. The rational audience watching season four will be like, any scene, they'll be like, is this really happening? Is this really happening? Is that one really happening? You know, because we don't know. Now Lynch has already basically told told us that everything is not what it seems. The owls are not what they seem at all. One thing I noticed, um, because I'm a huge Hitchcock fan, actually, Vertigo is your... I think favorite Hitchcock movie, one of your favorite movies of all time. It took me a while to get on the uh, the Vertigo train. Remember the you hated it actually. I tried to get you to watch it eight hundred times. When we were in high school, and you're like, "This is such boring shit." And I was like, "Come on, Tom, you're gonna get into yes, it." Yes, this is and, true, uh, folks. Yeah. Yes, what but I do. Doing? I love it. I love it now. I just could not see the genius of it at the time. But um, Carlotta, the painting of Carlotta, she has this like spiral in her hair, 
And when I was watching part two again, I actually, I think I saw like a photo, like a still of Laura. And obviously she has different hair from the original series. She had longer, actually it was a wig. But um, I think that's just the length of Sarah, or Cheryl Lee's hair at the time of production because they could have put a wig on her. But Carlotta had kind of like a similar hairstyle and there's kind of like a similar spiral in Laura Palmer's hair. Um, and what we know about Carlotta in Vertigo was that um, it's really kind of the, I mean, is she a MacGuffin? I mean, but it's really kind of the impetus for the... Uh, well, it was a myth It was a myth that they created to cover up a murder, essentially. Right. But yeah. didn't uh, the Madeline um, Elster, the character played by Kim Novak, she had the same spiral in her hair, though, correct? Yeah, she recreated the famous Carlotta hair that was in the... the the, the museum that uh, she would look at, but she really was all a ruse. But yeah, so uh, I saw that as well. Are you going to talk about the other uh, connections to Vertigo? Well, because of Judy. Like episode 18, really, yeah. Well, uh, episode 18 has a lot of connections, well, I think. At least visually. I don't know if there's any intention, but he lo- I've read that he loves Vertigo and, uh, you know, all those driving scenes and, you know, his obsession. And, and the very last scene of Vertigo was very similar uh, to the drive home. Well, someone wrote an interesting article about that last week. I, I, I don't like, I wish I knew who it was. Not only Vertigo, but Lolita, you had mentioned that like weeks and weeks ago, um, that it's not just Vertigo. When Umber Umber is, uh, or Humbert Humbert, however you want to pronounce it, is driving with uh, Lolita, isn't Quilty like following him? Yeah, Quilty stalking him. <laughs> and there's, there's super, and, and Lynch loves Lolita. So, um, it's not nice. just the, the driving scenes. What I was trying to get at with the Carlotta and the Vertigo was just tying into the, the theme of duality. And the Kim Novak character, character uh, Madeline, had what well, she wasn't. She didn't have like a doppelganger. She was the same woman. She played two different characters. Jimmy, Actually, she's Judy. Madeline was the fictional character. But she was right. the same Madeline woman, though. Died. Was, she really was. Well, Judy. yeah, right. But um, yeah. I just think that um, I didn't know about Vertigo, though. I knew that Lynch loved Rear Window. But I never heard him mention Vertigo. But you said that you had read that he had mentioned Vertigo on several occasions. Well, well, I just read. That, oh, you did. So oh, that's okay. True. I never actually, I never actually heard an interview. It was secondhand, so I'm not sure. But I mean, it does tie into like you know, he's trying to recreate and save a lost love. That's what Jimmy Stewart's trying to do, and he meets this woman that looks just like her, and he's trying to convince her, "You are her. You're her." And he like makes her makes her over, look exactly like her. They go on this crazy journey uh, to her death scene, where you know, or, and she doesn't know it, but it's similar to like uh, you know, taking Laura back to the place of her death, kind of against her will. When Cooper went to go visit Carrie Page. He's trying to tell her, oh, you're Laura Palmer. Are you Laura Palmer? And your mother or your father is Leland. Um, she kind of remembered Sarah. But then he took her, obviously, to the home. And when he asked, saw Alice Tremont, didn't he say, is Sarah Palmer here? He didn't say Leland, right? He just said Sarah Palmer. No, he didn't. So, yeah. And then he said, what year is this? Well, he knows, at least you know what we think, is that this is the Cooper that saved Laura and... Um, prevented her from being killed, why would he just assume that it's just Sarah Palmer living there and not just Sarah and Leland? So there no mention of Leland is also very curious. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I have no explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because, I mean, does this Cooper that we're seeing in part 18, is this the same Cooper with the same memories of part 17 going back to 1989 and finding Laura and um, and failing 
and his well, maybe not failing, but being thwarted. Yeah, I think he's got the memories of all that, of course. Well, it doesn't he's seem like it. All, he's probably got a lot of memories that we don't even know about. I think that we're not, the last 25 years, he's been up to a lot of anything. Well, when he came so out sure of that all that as motel well. in part 18, and he got into the car, he was, you could tell, there's something. He seemed weary, a little tired. Yeah, wait. His, he was goes. like that in all those driving shots too. He was. Yeah, he's like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's been do- thinking about Groundhog Day, right? Think about they've been doing this <laughs> fucking thing for 25 years. Like probably the first 500 times, he's probably like, so, uh, what, what do you do in Odessa? Like, oh, that's interesting. Like uh, they have the small talk, and maybe they he goes like, you know, maybe he tells her the whole story about Laura. He gets her to you know, maybe, but now by the 500th time, maybe it's uh, just no talk. Just, I think what we're seeing in part 18 is Cooper. He's tired of the well, story. He's tired he of be, it. might be tired, but I think that get out. he is unsettled and unsure of what's going on because not only when he leaves the motel, but when he's driving, he's not specifically going to the coffee shop, Judy's. He's just looking. No, he's just like driving around like a video game. Like he's just trying to looking for clues. Right. Know? It's it's right. It's like almost like, you know, he's being kind of manipulated. But I don't necessarily subscribe to that because when he goes into the coffee shop, he knows that Laura Palmer or Carrie Page is that other waitress. So it's not just happenstance. I think it's just it's this discombobulation. Yeah, it goes into the plan. Is this the plan? Like I don't know how how did that happen? It seems like it's one of those things where it's just this reality, and you just use your intuition. That's all he does anyway. Is uses intuition, drive around until something piques his curiosity. Yeah, but I don't think that he was actually in Odessa at that. At that first location, I think that um, at, at, when yeah. whatever you mean at Judy's, but before that, that first hotel, I don't think it was Odessa. I think everything changed. The location, right. no, everything. I, agree. I don't know what that location was, but I right. agree. Totally and changed. that for me, th- yeah. like just imagine, like just red curtains all around. That is another room. What we're seeing are other rooms of the Black Lodge. It's just not the Chevron pattern and the red curtains. We're seeing. Uh, uh, the Black Lodge in a different reality, but just in what we presume to be the normal real world. This is just another journey. And that's what we got pretty much, in my opinion, in you know episodes three through 17, through, Coop- through Cooper's perspective. Now you could even say that the scenes outside of Cooper's perspective in Twin Peaks with the characters, that they are also being influenced by that evil in the woods, the lodge, and it's affecting people not only like Gersten and Stephen and Jerry Horn who are in the woods, but also the people in town, the screaming lady like, you know, with the bug girl or the uh, vomiting girl in the car and all kinds of crazy sparkle characters and the roadhouse is that that black lodge, the influence is really, really growing. And I had always suspected that what the giant was saying is it is in her house now is related to that 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 omniscient evil, that 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 old evil, whether it's the experiment or Jow Day. But it could just be the simple Black Lodge. I mean, Black White Lodge, if that's where the giant is or the fireman is, and the Wonder Man, Bob's former domain, the evolution of the tree, the black and white, back to the duality, that somehow the Black Lodge is growing in influence somehow. And expanding to, you know, uh, encompass large swaths of, uh, you know, our world. The world. The whole world. Yeah, or maybe the whole world. Right. Exactly. It's po- well, think of it this way. What parts are not covered with the Black Lodge? Um, maybe Buckhorn. Think of it that way. 
But Cornell, I think there's some definitely. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) No. Um, I'm not saying. Maybe Bora Bora. (laughs) The place so nice they named it twice. How about Rio? How about Rio, where Mr. C was? No. That's not good. Buenos Aires? Des Moines? I don't know. But um, that as well. No, I just think that 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 is really like very compelling. I'm watching here episode 18. Like it was interesting. Like remember in whatever episode it was when Janie took a coop Dougie to the doctor and he was all jacked, like completely ripped and shredded. She's like, wow, look at you. (laughs) Look at him coming out of bed after uh, Richard. He's completely shriveled. He hasn't done any workout in several weeks. He's he's, he's like uh, his wax chest is starting to sprout hair. Like he's the real, he's, he's not uh, the Superman in the dream. He doesn't look anything like him. Right. No, it's, it's, I think it's different. I mean, it's isn't that odd. I mean, because obviously I don't think, you know, they took any time off, like, you know, Tom Hanks and Castaway. Um, it was obviously done, you know, with maybe having his dark side in him makes him not want to work out as much. <laughs> right. He's like, yeah, my dark side's this fucking right. right. Hey, you know, that line that, 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 uh, <laughs> so anytime yeah, anybody, you guys just gaining a little weight, you don't go to the gym or whatever it is. Just blame it on the black lodge, right. blame the internal doppel. You know, that great, <laughs> opening of part seven uh, I think it was part seven where it just opens right on Jerry like in the woods disoriented yeah freaking out and Staring. Yeah, he just love that scene. you know I, you know, he's the line I don't know where I am I mean th- yes that's pretty much the end isn't of that yeah, for, just for Cooper I mean and yeah but we know where you are you're in the lodge buddy <laughs> <Well, You're> <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I still want to know what the final fucking line is that's the great line that's the big I mean I just wanted I would love to I mean what? there is no line obviously what do you mean like what she whispers in his, his oh, ear. Oh, 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 oh. Like what is what does she whisper in his ear? I wish somebody would tell me that. They had to at least think. No. You know, even though they would not tell us. Maybe they, they, they even had any ideas. Like, Lynch was like, okay, Frost, just come up with some ideas just in case. Like, what the fuck is she saying? You know, like, what the what could even, I would love to hear even just some general thoughts on what they would even conceive that to be. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I never want to know. Like, even if it did exist, I mean, I would find out, but really, I... What if you found out like it's got like eight words in it, you know, something like that. And you start like, okay, it's got like <laughs> the word fire you know, or something like that. I would love to just have little clues. Yeah. But it is, that's really a, a that's a wonderful, just sit around and think about what that is. People just, it, it really is that I've been, of, yeah. now that the soundtrack has been released, I've been listening to that, um, that end credit song. It's, I can't, I love did, that. Yeah. Dark space low oh, is completely tra- freaks me that, out. Man. That is so haunting. And because, Every time that I hear it, I just it evokes that um, that that initial feeling that I had right when I you know saw that first you know at Part 18 for the first time and that super close up of, of Laura whispering into Cooper's ear and it, it it's so powerful. I mean, it really is one of my favorite Angelo pieces. Um, it's the, probably one of the darkest pieces that Angelo has created, and to end it. Not only on that cryptic line of what year is this, but then go right back to that shot of Laura whispering in Cooper's ear and his face. And it's not a freeze frame. I know what the one line of dialogue for Dark Space Low would be just be doom. Like a doom <laughs> is the word. That's the only word that's being spoken. Oh, here's time, another thing. Very slow okay, motion. so what? Tell me this. Riddle me this, my friend. Okay, host of Chopping Wood Inside, all right? I'm not the host anymore. No, 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 no. I'm the host. No, no. That's. Or I'm the, what am I? I don't know what the fuck I'm, yeah. what are I'm you, not Colorman? existent, Colorman. and you are, yeah. um, what are you? Okay. All right, give hey, the question. Speed right. it up. Speed it up, host. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the electrical pole that the giant, the fireman, his clues, his visual clues to Andy, we saw that final 
electrical pole number six. And it's the same one we saw in Odessa outside of Carrie Page's house. So what his clues were, basically the full circle of the clues started with the experiment and ended with that electrical pole. And if we want to go ahead and somehow tie that electrical pole number six with Laura Palmer or Carrie Page, then for me, the full circle of the, the fireman's clues are that somehow the experiment is tied to Laura Palmer slash um, Carrie Page. And I don't think it's just... Well, it almost could be like the, the, the trap theory. Like that's the giant giving Andy the trap theory. Like there's even a slideshow presentation of what they're going to do in episode 18. Well, you think it was for Andy or was for the audience? Well, I don't really understand. Well, I think it is for the audience because I don't really understand what Andy would have to do with this business. This is like above his like clearance level, <laughs> but he got it anyway. So we got it. So yeah, I think it is. It's like a pl- it's like the blueprints. All right, boys, we're gonna pull up a heist. Episode eighteen. No one will know it's coming. <laughs> so that's what happens. I think that's a slideshow showing you exactly the. the well, because I always thought that that number six electrical pole was tied to the the, the travel. That well, trout, yes. It, well, well, it was obviously in Firewalk with me, so there's got to be two of them, right? Well, the two, the duet. Yeah, least, well, there's the new fat trout. I mean, it's all many. this duality. It's all these this doubling. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's just interesting that when Harry Dean, Carl Rods, saw that after the accident, I just assumed either it was there near the traffic scene or he was just thinking of the fat trout. But, you know, he saw that child's soul ascend and saw the essence and then saw... Yeah, where was that six? Was that six? Because we thought maybe that six had been like retconned from uh, Deer Meadow to the Fat Trout. Yeah, that's what I thought Peaks. too. But we never saw that. So was what was he looking at? The was he vision? Did we cut to the one in Odessa? Did we cut to the one in uh, Deer Meadow? Did we cut to the one that's retconned in Twin Peaks that we never saw? We don't saw? know. Because I thought it was going to be right next to Becky's trailer and she'd be in there dead while Bob is inhabiting Stephen or something. Oh, oh, you're right. right. No, I mean, I think that uh, that is one of the most curious mysteries for me is that I just never imagined that it would be anywhere outside of either Deer Meadow or Twin Peaks, but have it right outside of um, uh, Carrie Page's house. But for me, it's like that's tied to the spirits, like traveling, um, obviously at the Fat Trot Trailer Park in Firewalk with me. And here we have Cooper, um, traveling to Odessa and to Carrie Page, it could very well be that when she was sucked up out of the lodge in part two, that she, like Cooper, was uh, transported through the electrical portal number three in the purple room. That was the means of her transport was through that electrical pole. But, you know, who the hell knows? But I, I, I do subscribe to the theory that she... You think uh, the Carrie Page came shooting out of an electrical socket in Odessa, just like Dougie did? Yeah, I do. I think that. Boom, the, on the yeah, no, I think it was very, very similar to what uh, Cooper experienced as Dougie. I think they're on. They're on the same. And it very like if this is what we're seeing right here in Odessa, is still the Black Lodge. Like if Cooper right never left the lodge, and his journey through parts three through seventeen was this extension, this annex of the Black Lodge, this 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 reality. Um, only through Cooper's eyes, so to speak. I think the same thing has to hold true. This Cooperverse has to hold true for Carrie Page and Laura Palmer. It makes total sense. And we're just seeing it. Cooper is now entered into her reality of the Black Lodge. That was the crossing over. Like entering into the Carrie Page land to get her and then get to Twin Peaks. Now, at this point, is this Twin Peaks that we're seeing with the no double R to go just the kind of tabula rasa of the original series since she didn't die or is this also 
another extension of a, of a Black Lodge reality. Uh, yeah, it's interesting if he just pops into the Carrie world here, the Carrie verse or the Laura verse. Like if they're going in some sort of like, you know, like reincarnation, like you know, the Buddhists think right, we re- we are always reincarnated forever. We live forever in different lifetimes and different realities. Maybe like the red the red room or the Black Lodge has a similar setup for them, and they're just looping and living these eternal lives in different realities. Uh, if Cooper shows up in hers. Why would he think just why would he want to take her to the old Palmer house? That just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I still don't understand that in any reality. Right. Like why that would ever make well, sense. This, I could see if you're going back to the, like the, the little place in the, uh, you know, the white lodge and the, with the sycamore trees is where he was taking her when he said he was taking her home in episode 17. He's going to take her to the white right. lodge. Does not make sense. Like maybe is Cooper somehow like, is his brain short circuiting? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that he's take he's, he's literally taken to the worst place in the world. In he, theory, he doesn't know it until the well, end. Yeah, no, like I said, with the Philip Jeffries, um, you know, experience, if you want to call it that. Yeah, he's short. He's it's just losing scrambled it, brains is that it's, it, it makes sense that Cooper Scrambled hero. Well, yeah, scrambled hero. That's what we're dealing with. Scrambled hero omelet. That's what we got here. Scrambled hero omelet. <laughs> yeah, because that's why I don't subscribe to this whole pocket universe. Um, Cooper is not acting like Cooper, and um, I don't think that this is part of some kind of like master plan. And it, you would think that they would get a better, you know, chess piece. Well, instead of saying they, why would they have Cooper do this? It's not they having him do anything. It's him having this ridiculous Munchausian <laughs> loot fantasy of his own in the lodge. You know, he's the one doing it. He's the one putting himself in these positions. Well, but he's really like Don Quixote and completely incapable of winning. But he's still putting himself out there again and again and again. Right? No, I I, I agree with you, and you've been you know pounding that home again. for like weeks now, and and, and I like that. I like that theory a lot. Yeah, I just don't I don't subscribe to the fail, fail, fail. It's just fail, like fail. your uh, your your Bob is still in Mr. C. I was going to keep banging this one home. You banged that one home about eight thousand times. Well, but I was you're right. I was so. right though. Yeah, yeah, one of the few times. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, it's an hour and a half. Do you uh, have any final thoughts? Or do, you, do you want to keep going? Like, uh, we can go five hours, but I think the longer we go, the the, uh, the harder it is for people to sustain all these in bite-sized chunks. Uh, oh, so you just want to you want to just turn off the lights right now and, uh, you know, curtain call? See you at the curtain well, call? I think people, people probably would least if they're listening to know when this is going to be over. <laughs> <laughs> if you were listening at least I to could, us, yeah. would you, like, have checked out, like, you know, hours ago, minutes ago? I would I would do it in like by I would I would pretty much like vacuum or do some hard yard work or whatever it is while you're talking then turn off the lawnmower when I come on and go who is this guy ooh and then have a little lemonade and just maybe rewind a little bit but uh, yeah that's right okay all right well then no, no hey we'll we'll keep going as long as you have ideas I just have to check in if I'm the host how do I know when it's over because you told me we're gonna go forever so I just gotta check in because I have no idea which how many how many more uh, bullets do you have in your list do you have a giant notebook. Yeah, I've got my like lynch box, you know, like the Woody Allen. Yeah, how far? How far are we through? Well, first of all, I thought I was the host. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're not giving any anybody any concept of where we're going or what our we have no outline. This is this is Twin Peaks jazz. This is like an Angelo riff here. We're just yeah. All right. Well, I got to pee. <laughs> on that note, so, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. It. No, I'm done. Yeah, we can uh, we can wrap it up, my friend. Yeah. Well, you got five. I can keep holding it, but just let me know how long so I can tell my bladder. No, God, I don't want you to, you know, like piss yourself. No, let's let's wrap it up. But we can, you know, we've got to, we can return to this, uh, you know, next week. I'm, I'm, we talked a lot. Yeah. Right. Next time, I promise, I will yep. have an outline. I will actually make a PowerPoint presentation, and I will follow it very clearly, and uh, I will try to um, be uh, express my opinions clearer and more succinct and try to keep it under an hour. 
Would that make you happy? Uh, good. Well, then I can come in and lynchify your entire outline and throw out the window. But it'd be good for me to know at least. Like, you can give me a little frost love. So, uh, yeah, on that note, we, you know what? We're all going to be having these comedy jazz or these lynch jazz comedy stylings, rambling discussions. Because we're all going to – we're still all trying to figure out what happened. You know, it's going to take years Probably, and we're here in week three, so we're going to keep doing this stuff and probably doing these intermittently between, and then we're going to get back to reviewing the uh, episodes, you know, starting with three and all the way through 18. But we thought, you know, hey, some of the other podcasts are out there spending a lot of time on this, and we have tons of ideas, so we're kind of just going to keep thinking it through as we come up with ideas. Uh, so we'll have another one next week. Uh, I don't know. Do you think next week's going to be another deep dive, or are we going to go back to probably another deep dive? I don't know. Let's just, uh, let's just play it by ear. Yeah, I, I mean, here's yeah. the thing about part three and part four is that we really haven't had a proper podcast. Oh, yeah, we never actually, yeah, we never reviewed it. So. We kind of there's some tangentially there's reviewed some it, yeah. but we didn't really do. <laughs> Not really, yeah. So if there's any fans out there that really want us to review it maybe next week, you can send us some uh, notes on Twin Peaks or on uh, Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Send us an email, and maybe we'll do that one. But if not, we'll just play it by ear. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Tom's been going crazy on, on, on Twitter, so I love all the, the stuff that you've been putting out there, Tom. Give you give big kudos, because it's always giving me great ideas, and uh, I hope everybody else is enjoying that. So, uh, yeah, keep it going. Keep the discussions going. Um, we love all the five. We've gotten some great reviews on iTunes and SoundCloud, so keep following us. And uh, until next week, thanks for tuning in. Chicken.